Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Holding pocket. It's time now for the chipping forecast, issued by Folding Pocket on behalf of Andrew Cotter, Eddie Pepperell, and special guest Ian Carter. Hello, Chipping Forecast fans. Hello, good morning. Welcome to uh, welcome to the 12th of December. Welcome to the 12th of December. A date so good it needs a, a welcome. Uh, Ian Carter, our regular special super-duper guest, is, is here. Have you got your Christmas decorations up yet, Ian? Yes, uh, I put the lights up yesterday uh, on the hedge outside and uh, the Christmas tree, got the Christmas tree at the weekend, feeling very festive, very hard. I, I would imagine for you, Andrew, this is your favourite time of year. This is just up your street, isn't it, Christmas? Yeah, no, it's not up my street. It's so far beyond. It's it's you turn left at the end of my street, carry on going, then turn right, then you join the motorway, then you drive for five hours, then you get to an airport, get on a plane, and you fly to another continent, and that's how far away Christmas is from my street. Um, I would quite happily hibernate. It would wake me up on the 4th of January when all this nonsense is over. Um, Eddie... Uh, <laughs> Christmas decorations, are you bored? No, they're not up. We haven't put them up for a few years. We've had excuses in the past, like moving and then not hosting. We might have to put them up this year, which I'm not looking forward to very much. But uh, I'm not as far away from Christmas as you are, although I think I'm, I'm getting I'm no way. worried that Eddie's microphone is, doesn't sound quite as deep and, and lustrous as it usually does. And now he's looking quizzical. But uh, give me, give me, get, let's have a little bit of live level on the podcast, Eddie. It's not live, but... I mean, it just sounds a little bit more tinny. I'm not sure what's going on there. I don't know. No, let's do a live mic check on the pod. Um, so go to preferences. References okay. in, yeah, in Zoom. Preferences. Yeah. And the audio. microphone is showing road, up there. Road, yeah, no, that's a, yeah. all good. Oh, is it turned around ah, the right way? Well, actually, that could be the problem because I had some issues yesterday. I don't think it is turned around the right way. So if you just I'm, unscrew I'm it slightly, at the back of it where it says "Made in China," that's why it's tinny, isn't it? All right, turn it, turn it around the other way. Just turn it around the other way to give it a test before you. So just man, just there we oh. are. Just oh no, no, that isn't right. Hang on, whatever. This is quality broadcasting. Well, I mean, it's broadcasting. Yeah. Try that. That's better, isn't it? Look, oh. <laughs> oh, it's like I don't know. He's got a beautiful voice. Um, it's like Michael Bublé has just walked into the room. Is it walking in a winter wonderland and mm. selling supermarket stuff? Everybody's selling stuff. Even Michael Bublé 
There we are, good. Um, so Eddie's mic is turned around the right way. Ian is just leaning back from his microphone, so he sounds distant. So uh, Christmas decorations, super. Um, Eddie, are you full of the festive loveliness? Not really, but um, I'm looking forward to Christmas Day where I can just, it's a good it's a good opportunity to drink, isn't it, at 11am? So uh, I'm not drinking until Christmas Day after probably having too much in Australia, so I'm going to have a nice glass of champagne. I'll look forward to that. Okay. I'm back in the training regime. I actually trained yesterday for the first time in quite a long, long time, lifted some weights. I did some deadlifting. Did you? Shift some tin, did you? I surprised myself. You know, I've not lost it. I, I ended up deadlifting 145 kilos yesterday, which isn't far away from what I used to do a few years ago when I used to train. So... um. Yeah, I'm... Uh, reps on that? Oh, no, no, low reps. I was training for some strength, Andrew. I need to start feeling some strength through my, my body and my veins again. Yeah, I once did a training program in 2016 called the Smolov Squat Program. I was I had like 10 weeks off and I was bored and I decided that I was just going to squat for eight weeks. And it was the hardest thing I've ever done, but I did get very, very strong. I lost my card in the same year. I played terrible golf. Um, <laughs> but uh, I felt unbelievably uh, healthy doing it. Uh, there you go. You see, there you go. It's not all about... Not about explosive power. I get because um, I follow the European Tour Performance Institute. All this, the physio strength guys, they're experts. They do put out some great exercises if you want for golf on tour. But they're always sort of illustrated by a young and live Minwoo Lee or something like that, uh, or someone you know doing this explosive power. Who's the uh, the Scottish guy? Who does uh, Forrest? He does. Uh, he's incredibly fit. Marcus Armitage. I've never seen him demonstrating it. No, exactly. I'll tell you who is actually, now that he's back playing again, who is quite athletic. You know, you wouldn't think to look at him and he sort of plays on the... But Beef is 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 really quite sort of powerful, strong, fit, athletic. It's like, um, yeah. I thought you were going to say Paul Casey there. Paul Casey was nothing like a fit PC. So Ian is a fit, uh, I see, because you've been doing Pilates this morning already, haven't you, Ian? Yeah, grown another inch today. So um, yeah, uh, did my did my Pilates this morning. Did them on Sunday morning as well, and that, so I'm now about five weeks into this regime. And what I've noticed with the teacher, who's fantastic, but she's she's really enthusiastic, and she'll when people are doing their exercise, she'll say with real enthusiasm, "Yes, yes, yes." She's South African. She's yes, yes, and then she looks at me and then goes, "Yeah." Now, and then she starts telling me how to do things properly. I'm dreadful at it. This morning, I did one exercise where you had to sort of move your arm in a circular motion while lying on the floor. And I I was doing it with the wrong arm. So I was doing it with the arm that was nearest the floor rather than the right, the correct arm. My mate Rob was there. He was just killing himself laughing. Yeah. yeah. Um, so it's not going well. <laughs> You get up quite early to do this. I'm quite impressed by this. Yeah. Incidentally, uh, having castigated Eddie for having his mic turned around the wrong way, I hadn't started my recording. So I have started it now, so you might notice a slight upturn in quality of sound uh, now with me as well. So And uh, and Ollie, our producer, is just cursing us all because he's got to, to edit the start of this. But it, basically, uh, Ollie, the edit comes in just in the middle of Ian shouting, yes, yes, in a, in a bad <laughs> South African accent. So that's where it starts for me. What about your early start on Saturday? Because when we did our emergency pod on Friday and you were excited about it, uh, we were saying, let's keep golf real. And we were talking about John Ram saying, hey, hey, well, we're still going out to play golf. And you were getting excited for your 8.08 tea time and then Storm Fergus come in. So I presume that didn't happen in the end. Well, it, it didn't happen. But this, I've got a, a, a WhatsApp group here. Um, and this, this to me sums up what club golf is all about. So as you say, I was very excited about the prospect of playing at 8.08 on Saturday morning. And then 
as Friday progressed, you're looking at the, the weather forecast on the BBC app and it's two drops of rain and it's not 90% certainty and there's wind as well. And so at uh, what time? 10 to 8 in the evening, uh, Neil comes on the WhatsApp oh, group. Neil. Hi, guys. Looks like a very wet and windy morning tomorrow. Are you still up for a game? Now, that's code for yeah. let's just knock it on the head, yeah? So Neil's Mike, got domestic issues, yeah. yeah. Mike comes in. Yes, I've seen the weather forecast. Certainly, it does. It looks pretty grim. Don't think it would be too enjoyable. That's Mike giving a clear green light to just calling it off. Mike's Mike, out. Mike's out. I join in at uh, 19 minutes past eight. I was out, out at a show, and it was an interval at that point. Sorry, hang on a second. Out of the show. Just a brief digression into that. What, what show was that? Yeah, co- comedy show. It was really good. Ed Gamble, uh, Fern Brady, uh, Jen Brister. Really, really good. Okay, good. It's quite important this because there were two intervals okay so in the first interval i come in with doesn't look great to me we go through the second portion of the show and then i come back to this one from neil is anyone desperate to play or should we just take a rain check mike comes in let's take a rain check i then chime in with i agree kev he's our fourth man Mm. If you're still keen, I'll turn up, but very comfortable giving it a miss given the forecast. I mean, that is so easy for Kev there, isn't yeah. it? Say, so, yeah, let's have a, a lion. Kev, I'm happy to give it nine holes and then bail out if too bad. Yeah. Neil, I may bail as I need to be dropped off and then not picked up until 13.30, <laughs> which if we, if we only do nine will be a long time. Kev, I'm happy to drive you home if that helps. Andrew has left the group. <laughs> and on it goes. So basically, we all turned up, had breakfast, and Neil and Kev actually went out, and then they sent a very smug picture saying, after nine holes, too perfectly dry, and must be said, smug golfers, see you all soon. Yeah. So there you go. That's, That's how it works. Yeah. I, I mean, I don't understand going, do you have a set tea time? Was this a medal? Was it? No, no, it was just a just a friendly, but we you, you have to... You have to be very coordinated and get on at twenty to eight on a Saturday night if you want an early tea time on a on a the following Saturday. Really? So it's a military operation to get your tea time. Get your tea time. Look forward to it all week. Then see a bad weather forecast. Then think actually a lion would be much much more preferable. And then Kev ruins it all. Kev, that's what happens. Kev, does Kev listen to this? He might, uh, might do. Yeah, uh, he partnered. He partnered my wife to to for some success recently. Did he? Did he indeed? Yeah, they won the knockout. Right. Oh. Eddie is so bored with this chat. <laughs> no, this is this is real it. golfers Eddie. chat. This is what Eddie hasn't been part of. This kind of. No, I just saw Ian's door shut behind him. I think it was Kev. Actually, <laughs> <laughs> no, it's, it's Kev partnering Ian's wife. Right. Yeah. I. I mean, I do see when I go back to because I don't play the weekend. I'm a five day member of the club I've joined now, so I don't play the, the weekends because I'm not because I'm usually working at weekends. So I don't really know of this, but I see the same people going out the same tea times every. I think this a group calls themselves the Penguins or something. So the guy was freezing when it's dark at this time of year. You can't tee off until about nine o'clock in, in Scotland, um, but they'll have the same tea times every Saturday. Whatever the weather is, they'll go out because that's their. That's their time to That's do it. The That's the game. That's the game. That's the game. And and then if you're playing in a medal in those conditions and you get terrible weather in the morning and then there's good weather in the afternoon, what do you do? What do you do with that? You go and join Live. That's what you do because the weather waves against you. But who's not joining Live? Who's Tony Fino? Yeah. Tony Fino. I mean, listen, I don't think um I don't think that's a bit Tony Fino's a lovely guy and is a sort of 
people talk about, oh, superstar. No, one, yeah, superstar. Superstars are only Woods and McElroy and Mickelson and Ram and people like that. Tony Finau would not have been a huge get for, for it would have been a good get, but it's not, not a good, you know, it's not a game changer like, like John Ram might be. No, but I don't know what you think here, Eddie, but it would have been a, a sign of the momentum and of the pulling power of Ram because Finau's sort of best mates with with Ram. And I think it's, you know, going back to what you said in the emergency pod, Eddie, you know, how much budget is there left to recruit players might be one of the factors. But the fact that, that Finau came straight out and said, I'm looking forward to playing on the PGA Tour next year. Of course, we've heard that before from, from various players, but I think things compared with Friday, things have have sort of improved a little bit for the PGA Tour with news of the investment and all that kind of thing. And now Finau saying, no, he's definitely not going despite all the speculation. Yeah, it does seem things have brightened up, doesn't it? Which is nice. Uh, I think it's quite a big deal that Tony Finau's not going. I think he's a great asset actually to the PGA Tour. Brilliant player, somebody who certainly could break through in the next two years and start winning majors. And he's a Mormon, so it's good that the PGA Tour continues to have the Mormon representation throughout the uh, the uh, organisation and not go off to live with the Penguins. I mean, the joke's on them. Oh, yeah. Now, you must have seen that in theatre. That is the best thing I've ever watched. I have seen that. In fact, that was the last time I went to a theatre was to see, yeah. to see the Book of Mormon in, in Manchester. I don't like no. going to the theatre uh, or cinema because other people are there. Uh, so I haven't been to the cinema in 15 years, maybe. I think the last time you went was to see Rain Man, wasn't it? <laughs> Hang on a minute. You did a theatre tour. Oh, no, I don't mind appearing on the stage, but I'm in the other side, down in the... No, no, that's fine, yeah. I had to pay for my tickets, Eddie. <laughs> Really? Did you? To see Andrew yes. and the dogs? Yeah, yeah. So Scottish. That's the Scottish coming out in him. It's, uh, you know, Did those you? short arms and those deep pockets. Book of Mormon is a fantastic show in the theatre, actually. I, I've got to say, I must have seen it five or six times uh, in America. It was going to Edinburgh at one point before the pandemic. It opened so well. I'd say the second half of it tails off a little bit, but it's, uh, it's very, 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 very good. Um, did you pay for your tickets, Ian? Did you? Yes, I did. Yes. Oh, right. But anyway, I, I know Eddie enjoyed that. Listen, some of the John Ram stuff was just funny. It was funny, tragic, tragic comic. It was uh, funny, sad. It was watching John and the, just the sort of staring eyes. Because you know what's going on behind his head? He's a, he's He's a, he's a bright guy. He's, you know, seen as one of the sort of good guys, but he was, not not that it's good and bad guys, but just seeing him give the interviews, you know, we heard a snippet of it on the Friday pod from his interview with David Ferti. And then this interview that he gave to the Live Golf podcast, where you can clearly know that his management or Live PR have said, so the key points are, John, don't say it's really about the money. So he... he it's like, right, okay, but it is about the money. Uh, yeah, but don't say it's about the money, John. Uh, okay, what should I say it's about? Um, jackets? Weather? Weather. Um, so, grow the game. I mean, grow the game is the thing, obviously. But when you're talking about, and I understand actually, in majors you really can get, in particular in the Open Championship, you really can get the raw end of the, the, the draw. Justin Rose is famous for having had the bad end of the draw in Open Championships where you just get early one day, late the next, and the weather is against you. But for John Ram to say that's a reason for going to live because they've got the shotgun start, so it's a level playing field. And yeah, get it is a le- it is more of a level playing field, but John Ram's going to have to come back and play in the major. In fact, he won the Masters when the weather was against him. So that's part of the deal. Well, and also given how accustomed he would be to understanding golf courses and the importance of certain holes at certain times in rounds, you know, that's the other side to this. You could finish on the 16th hole as opposed to the 18th hole and 
courses are designed to in a certain way, obviously. So there's the other side to it. It's, it's all nonsensical, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, I think most people were not getting frustrated at him talking talking about the specifics of the weather, but just the idea that you, you're using this as a, one of the reasons that you went when there is only one reason that you have gone. And um, there we are. Anyway, um, Roy McIlroy is getting a bit... Uh, <laughs> it's funny how he's popped back on... Because you can tell a, a McIlroy team management tweet... Um, as opposed to a McElroy himself tweet. And there have been McElroy himself tweets of late. But he's caught in a difficult position now because he has said that the Ryder Cup rules should change to allow John Ram to come back. Whereas when all the other you know Ryder Cup legends of the game disappeared, it was they're gone, they made their decision. So it's uh, he's caught in an awkward place. Well, he is. And I, and I think this points to, I don't know if I mentioned this on the podcast, if I'm repeating myself, I apologise, but it reminds me a bit of, you know, Jay Monaghan and the position. He, I think he's made two strategic errors. One was not having the initial discussion, but the bigger one was almost going back on his stance in June and, and opening up the door and the avenue for somebody like John to go. I think that was a, I know it's all well and nice saying we should cooperate and all of this stuff, but actually I think the us against them narrative was working to a degree to keep players like John Rahm on side. And as soon as that went out the window, it's kind of open season. And so for Rory, you know, he has said a lot of different things and then it does become difficult, obviously, to uh, identify exactly what position you hold. But um, it's good to see him at least voicing his opinions. It's a bit like Donald Trump, isn't it, going on Twitter at 2 a.m. and uh, tweeting, (laughs) tweeting himself. Not that he's tweeting the same things as Donald Trump, obviously. No, but it's not guarded, is it? It's unfiltered. It's like I've got my I've got my password back, and I'm going to use this, and I'm going to tell people what I think. And the latest one, where he has a go at, uh, effectively has a go at Henrik Stenson, and says it was the best thing that happened to to Europe that Stenson went to live and opened the door for for Luke Donald to be the captain. Um, that I mean, that's just opening up a. An argument, a controversy. Uh, surely he could do without, but he, he must be bored or whatever. I don't know. But it's you're right. I, it, there are echoes of the whole sort of Trump thing at three o'clock in the morning about it, isn't he? Blimey, here he goes again. I think Rory's come to the end of his tether. I think he's had enough, and he feels worn out by it all. And his resignation from the policy board is probably a reflection of that too. You know, Rory is capable of holding a lot in his head and still performing at a high level, and so. I think he's just simply said, I've had enough. And uh, and now he's kind of, the gloves are off and, hey, listen, I like it because, you know, life's too short. Yeah, well, uh, Poulter responded saying, as an obviously, obviously a parody account or someone's hacked Rory or something like that because he wouldn't he wouldn't say this. Obviously, he knows he has said this, but um, that's his way of saying, come on, Rory, that's not uh, fair. And then Lee Westwood chimed in, then Eddie Purple chimed in and it became this uh, this thing. But but the fact that, uh, <laughs> the fact that, Rory himself is back on Twitter, prompted me to immediately just uh, slide into his DMs and said, come on the podcast and have a chat. So I'm waiting, I'm waiting. Oh, Did of you? course, yeah, I'm not going to hear from him, but um, he and Shane Lowry will both ghost me. But we well, used to get, because Eddie, when we did the Pepper Pod, um, we were talking about um, diet and snacks. And I thought, um, let's find out what Rory McElroy does after his, um, after his training, what he eats. So just straight into his DMs, boom, boom, boom. Comes back a few minutes later saying, I have... Uh, bagels with peanut butter and thing protein shake and things like that so there used to be god we used to have a thing we used to have a relationship no uh, i don't i don't expect a reply at all but um but you never know with rory because you know it's akin to putting out a tweet sometimes he will feel like actually do you know what i'm just gonna go on and chat chat with the uk's number one podcast although we're having a fearful battle with no laying up at the moment for the number one spot 
We are, we are. We? I think they see no laying up because they dominate in the United States, but they're so big that they actually have a big following in the UK as well. And we just sneaked ahead of them again this week. So, um, but I think that they are, they're the PGA Tour and we are the, the DP World Tour. We're not a feeder to no laying up. It doesn't mean that at the end of this year, Eddie's going to get promoted for his sage words to, to no laying up. We we don't have a strategic alliance with we them. We don't, but we we I I I like them. I like them because and they're made up names. Not yet, Ian. You know, we could have a vote at the end of the year, and one of us three could be promoted to be part of the no laying up team. Um, yeah. Can I just pick up there? And you said sneaked. Should that have been snuck, or or am I, I just no sneaked? Sneaked is the past participle. Yes. I think you can say snuff. I think you can. I think it's an Americanism that's come in, as so many things do. So no laying up of the PGA Tour. We're the DP World Tour. Who's Liv? Rick Shields is probably Liv. Actually, I think he, I think he is slightly <laughs> Livish. Anyway, I think they, I think they might. Uh, he was quite PGL, wasn't he? I remember Andy Gardner did, did that big interview with Rick Shields when it's all started. Yeah, well, there's a lot of. Um, I see Bryson DeChambeau has done something with Rick. I think there is a bit of a, a Liv connection with them um, with Rick. Well, I think they, Rick Shields is, I don't want to speak out of turn. I think he's part owned by P54 or in some way he's, mm. there's something going on there. So, uh, yeah. He's owned. Yeah, I think, believe so. I think wow. his company has been invested in by them. So something like that. Well, um, well there we go. And that's what uh, goes back to what we were talking about. Who, who owns the journals that you, you read and hear and, you know, with the, the Telegraph, Abu Dhabi trying to take over the Telegraph. I mean, it's a, uh, you know, you've got to got to be aware of who owns the the media. I sort of think the reason I say that as well because I was speaking to somebody at the tour and I proposed that we should get people like Rick Shields as part of the coverage because they've got such a large following and they said we can't because of the links they have with P fifty four. So, uh, and he's not the only one. I want to say it was maybe Peter Finch or Mark Crossfield or something like that too. So they're they're ahead of the game on that social media. I will say that they're ahead of the game. Yeah. This raises an interesting um, talking point actually that I had with just with some mates at the golf club. They were saying that because of the way that professional golf is going with all the money that is coming in and that just that uh, fatigue with greed and the perception of greed in the men's game, that actually they're getting more by going to these kind of YouTube providers for golf. And that's their golf fix much more than watching the professional game now uh, these days. So that's an interesting dynamic. Yeah, I can see it. You know, I, I was watching YouTube yesterday. Chris Ryan Golf got a great swing tip. I was in the barn yesterday working on my leg action. I watch YouTube quite a lot. Dr. Kwan, obviously, we've mentioned before. I think there are some fantastic YouTube channels out there for golf. And listen, it is going to keep growing. Obviously, Bryson is trying to do his thing. I mean, I, I would rather watch the proms than that. But, um, you know, there obviously are some interesting uh, and and. Rick Shields is one of them and such a huge following. So yeah, it's the future. And most young kids, they watch YouTube, not the DP World Tour or the PGA Tour. Yeah, have you never watched the proms? It's, uh, no, it's, you get some good music. Or are you talking about just watching a selection of high school proms from America? Because that'd be weird. Just, you know, it's, it's a good prom they're having there. Yeah. Under the sea theme. Right. Uh, <laughs> What was, I going to, what was I going to say? I can't remember. Anyway, yes. So, oh, uh, next thing I had uh, as we look at the PGA Tour and what's happening there in response to Ramgate, etc., in the fallout. But um, uh, almost immediately off the back of the John Ram news was the news that Wells Fargo are pulling out uh, their sponsorship, big, big sponsor for many, many years at, at, at Quail Hollow. I mean, this was a, a bad few days for the PGA Tour. And now, of course, we're looking at all sorts of new potential investors in the PGA Tour. We've got the Strategic Sports Group, which is a, a group of 
investors who own various sports clubs in baseball, in American football, in in soccer, and Fenway Sports Group seems to be emerging. Ian is the is the major one. That's John W. Henry. That's uh, Red Sox. That's Liverpool. That's Boston Common. Boston Common. They own as well. It is. Yeah. So they they are leading a, a consortium. Uh, so if that is the correct term, but it's certainly a group of investors who are very very heavily involved in other areas of, of sport. There's an owner of AC Milan who might be selling out to the Saudi PIF. They've got links with Saudi Arabia, some of these guys as well. Arthur Blank from the Atlanta Falcons. He was the founder of Home Depot. The Milwaukee Brewers guy is there. Um, New York Mets. You know, these are big figures. Fenway Sports Group, as you've, as you've mentioned, in the American sporting firmament. And I suspect that there is a mutual incentive there to do a deal, not just with the PGA Tour, but also with the Saudi PIF. And this could be the way that the Saudi influence is watered down to satisfy the American government. It is a way to get massive investment into the PGA Tour. It is a way to provide a pathway to bring live into the same umbrella and peace in our time going forward from 2025 when John Rahm will be once again a PGA Tour player. Oh, you see, you can see it all happening. What I, do you think? I, yeah, I mean, Eddie, that does see, I, you know, people are saying that the John Rahm move, you know, people are not appalled by it, but they're going, oh, dear, 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 John Rahm. But actually, this may, in a strange way, and various other things happening, lead back to a point on the horizon where everything comes back together. It's just we, we can't quite see it yet, but we can we can almost see the route by which it does happen. Yeah, I think Ian, what just uh, Ian laid out there made complete sense, and maybe that is what happens. I, I do think it's somewhat telling that Wells Fargo, and I don't think they're the only company to have kind of uh, pulled out of some funding of, of PGA Tour events. Um, what would worry me moving forward as well is is that that continues to happen, and you have some of the traditional sponsors in golf, like the Rolexes and the BMWs of the world, and even FedEx pull out or pull back to some degree, and, and I think that would be a shame. That being said, it, it it's likely that it could be replaced by this private equity type funding. Um, but you know, I think it goes to show as well that if these companies are pulling out, it's it's in it's in reflection of a couple of things. Maybe the way the golfing landscape now looks and feels to them, it's maybe less of an attractive place to actually be and park their money. And uh, and this is also the distortions that have been put in place by Live. The money that they've chucked in at the game, they've just distorted what uh, the amount you have to put in to now be part of a PJ Tour event. And so this is the fallout. And I worry that eventually where we end up is at a place where the only option is left to fall back on Saudi money. And, and that would be a strategy that the Saudis can play too, because they have the capacity in the stomach right now in terms of the, the amount of money they have in the bank to, to kind of play that. Yeah, I, you know, listen, I obviously don't love that direction where it's going, but um, I hope Ian maybe could be correct. That's certainly a, a foreseeable future. If you look at the Wells Fargo Championship, this is the event that is played in Quail Hollow in Charlotte. Um, Wyndham Clark, the winner, he took home $3.6 million last year because it became one of the signature events, as they're now called. So they have a $20 million purse. In 2022, it was a $9 million purse. So And, and Wells Fargo from 2025 were being expected to effectively stump up that money and the costs of the of the tournament. And so you can see why they've pulled out. I mean, that is a massive extra expense to to have to take on for what more are you getting um, compared with the 9 million prize fund that you put up just a couple of years earlier? 
Yeah, exactly right. And it's, it's asking too much of them. And these companies also are, are going to be prone to the business cycle, which, you know, could well be turning. And, and again, this goes back to the fact that PIF just aren't at this point prone to that. And so, listen, I think a lot of the investments that PIF have made, uh, they've made too early. I think there would have been a good opportunity in the next couple of years to, to spend the money they've spent and get a lot more for in return. But time will tell on that. But uh, yeah, it's it's unsustainable, isn't it? And, and we've touched on this in the past. And, uh, and unfortunately, it's going to drive away some historic and important traditional sponsors of the game of professional golf. Yeah, well, traditional sponsors, they have uh, shareholder responsibility. They have to justify what they're doing, whereas PIF doesn't have to doesn't have uh, such concerns. So um, it, it, all the all the, the chat. Uh, you say that, Andrew, but they do ultimately. It is a public investment fund. And ultimately, they, they will have to be accountable for all the money that they're pouring into this. To, to whom? To, to their kingdom, ultimately. Someone somewhere is going to turn around somewhere and say, why Why have you given 500 million to John Rahm or, or whatever, whatever it is? There is a path to it. They've always talked very consistently about how these teams will ultimately become franchises that will yield a return on investment. I think the fundamental difference between Saudi Arabia and the investment group that is being put together is that the investment group that is being put together, this sports strategy group with Fenway at the top, they will want a quicker return on investment. But the Saudis will want a return on investment and it will come in several different ways. If they have turned themselves into a tourist destination in the way that Dubai is going forward, Project 2030, then that's part of the return. But also they want to make make money out of this in the end. Yeah, so it's kind of an, an, an intangible return. It doesn't, it might not be an obvious sort of hard and fast figures. It might just be look at what people are now coming to the country, etc. And people see it as a viable destination. So, oh yes, ultimately there is, a, but I don't, you know, I'm talking about it being answerable to, to Answerable to shareholders is a very, very mm. different thing to be oh, yeah. answerable to a sort of a, a vague semi-deity in uh, in Saudi Arabia saying, what, right, what are we getting back in our return? So anyway, oh, there were, there, were, there was actual golf over the weekend, which just disappeared, really. I didn't, uh, I saw a fraction of it. The Alfred Dunhill Championship at Leopard Creek and another live live golfer winning, Louis, Louis Tazen, captain of Stinger Golf Club on Live Tour, also known as the 2010 Open Championship. Runner-up in every major, Louis Tazen. I would also winner of the Open, but uh, won the Alfred Dunhill. South African golfers always seem to do well in the tournaments in South Africa. And Louis Tazen, you know, is, a, is still a high, high class player. Um, there was also the qualifying event for Liv in Abu Dhabi. Poor old Laurie Cantor. Three spots available in this um Qualification event for 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 live. It was won by Kali Samuya, the um, the Finnish golfer who won on the European won the European Open last uh, last year. Was it last year? Yeah, it was last year. Uh, anyway, Laurie had a five footer to take second place and go through. Missed it. Went into a playoff with the Zimbabwean Kieran Vincent, his brother Scott Vincent's already part of Live, and Japan's uh, Jinichiro Kozuma. I mean, this is a sorry sorry tale for Laurie. Uh, sorry, Laurie. On the first playoff hole, Vincent's in the trees. Kazuma's in the water. They both made par, though. Laurie three-putted. Back to the tee for the second playoff hole. And and Laurie, from right beside the water, got sort of impeded a bit by a stone and sculled it into the drink. So Vincent joins his brother, Scott. Samuyo on there as well. So Finland and Japan now have representation on Liv. I mean, that's quite, quite a big thing for... They'll be delighted that a Japanese golfer made it onto. I think Laurie will get some starts, doesn't he, as a... Just missing out, he gets some starts. But he's sort of caught in a... 
I know, you know, you're good friends with Laurie and we know Laurie, uh, but he's sort of caught in a bit of a limbo because he wasn't playing enough in the DP World Tour to keep his car there, despite playing well. And he was a reserve on on Live this year, a full-time member the year before. So he's kind of chasing Live and chasing and DP World and, and, you know, it stretches you a little bit too much. I mean, he's still doing fine. He's, um, he's, he's made enough money in the last few years, but it's interesting his situation. Yeah, it is. You know, I haven't spoken a great deal at length with him, to be honest about it all. But uh, reading between the lines, I think he desperately wants to play on Liv. And I think as well, there's a chance that he will still play on Liv full time this year as part of a team. Um, you know, he is in a strange position, but I think he knew that that was part of the risks going in. Obviously, it's um, listen, it's a bit of a shame, I think, because his career was in, in the ascendancy and he was doing so well before he joined with Liv. But there's, that's true of other players, too. Again, interesting to see Callis Muja go. I didn't actually know he had gone and played, but that's a kind of, he would have been fined for going, but uh, that's obviously taken care of itself now with uh, getting access to live. Um, but again, you know, it is an issue for the DP World Tour because we've obviously lost 10 players to the PGA Tour, plus a couple of others through temporary. And we've also now lost one of our a good player to live. So uh, for the DP World Tour this year, they've lost they've lost 13 players, 12 or 13 guys who are all very good players um, to another tour. And, and so again, this just... It's added. It's added pressure, I think, for the DP World Tour at the moment. Eddie, what do you think about the fact that players going to the Live Tour School, effectively that tournament in in Abu Dhabi, were being fined? It was justified to me because that qualifying tournament was up against, uh, obviously, the Alfred Dunhill in South Africa. Alfred Dunhill are a, a huge supporter of the the DP World Tour, but I suppose the counter argument to that is that. You know, a player should be able to go and and try and qualify for whatever tour they want to play on, shouldn't they? Yeah, and there's nothing stopping Calais Muja doing it. There's nothing stopping anybody doing it. Yeah, but as you say, he would be fined for doing it. Well, yeah, but the fine, as stood up in court, uh, was was entirely legitimate and justifiable from the European Tour's perspective, and that is that we have a competing product. It is is affecting our business, and that's why there's a fine. Now, the fine wouldn't have been particularly large in this instance. It would have been a minor breach which has a limit of a lot less than a hundred thousand which obviously was issued with the lift players so it's like david horsey went didn't he david horsey tried to to qualify so he, he'll have to pay a fine for that well assuming he was in leopard creek so for example if he wasn't in leopard creek the tour have no they have no ability really to issue the fine because the tour have never stopped or sought to stop anybody working all they've ever done when they've issued the fines is well you were eligible to play in our tournament you chose not to therefore there is a breach of conduct and the sanction coming and that's that's the way they've worked and again that stood up in court so there weren't that many guys that went you know i think when i looked at the field i thought it was an extremely weak field frankly given the opportunities um there with live financially yeah no absolutely i was uh i was a little bit surprised at that myself but um uh other golf at the weekend the grant thornton invitational this is this uh mixed event won by lydia co and jason day the thing which struck me was that um uh, on this so there were 18, it was 54 holes, 18 holes of scramble golf, 18 holes of foursomes, and 18 holes of a sort of modified four ball. But the reason it fascinated me was that, because Ian and I talking about taking on Eddie and scramble. So the difference between the scramble scores and the foursome scores ranged between five shots and I think someone that was 19 shots. Anyway, the average was about 10 or 12 shots. So that's why I think we've got a chance, Ian. 10 or 12 shots better between foursomes and scramble scramble eddie looks absolutely aghast at the suggestion that we could 
in this match, which I, we keep promising will happen. It will happen sometimes. It's just not going to happen over the winter. So. If Eddie played foursomes with my mate Kev, yeah, and well, Kev we played the night before, though. and we played scramble against those two, we'd stand a chance. But Eddie, well, of course, we would. That's you've 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 denuded Eddie's power significantly by adding totally. Kev. With what I'm care. saying is that Eddie playing as a single player, not compromised by a hacker or a partner who might hook the ball into the bushes down the left of the ninth in the middle of a knockout match, Mike. Yeah, um, Mike. Sorry, he's still going to beat us. No, I know. I'm not. I'm sure. I'm sure. I'm sure he is. But all I'm saying is that to these players, you know, you know, Lydia Code, Jason Day playing together, and they were significantly worse in foursomes than they were in scramble. Scramble, magical things can happen in scramble. So, what about that mo- modified, the the, the modified uh, better ball, which was so the winners were Lydia Ko and Jason Day. So Lydia Ko would play off Jason Day's drive, and vice versa. Yeah, I uh, like yeah. that idea. Yeah, I, and there are other. There was all sorts of strange formats going on over the weekend. The World Champions Cup, this new seniors thing, which I don't oh, think yeah. anybody really noticed, but it was the USA, Europe, and international teams. Three teams. The USA won it, but each of the first two days includes one three-match session of six ball, <laughs> and one three-match session of Scotch sixum, Scotch sixum. And then what singles matches in the final day. Scotch Sixum, I didn't know this name for a bit. It's basically Greensome, but I think it's what Americans sometimes call Greensome. So, you know, everybody, you tee off, you know, if you're playing t- two in a Scotch Sixum, both would tee off, and then you choose the best one and then play alternate shot from there. Scotch Sixum. <laughs> yes, there are all sorts of, I'm sure there are all sorts of jokes in there. Anyway, uh, so that's, that's uh, Scotch Sixum, and the USA won that. Uh, and uh, that's about it. Monty was involved, though, so we might as well take a little break with us. Hi, I'm Colin Montgomery, and I'm crushing it on the Peloton right now. Welcome back to the podcast, after that brief Monty interlude. Anyway, nobody owns us. Hey, NordVPN, do you like VPNs? Do you want the best VPN? And boy, oh boy, have I got the best VPN for you. NordVPN. This VPN or virtual private network allows you to watch sporting events, TV shows or films which are not available in your region by switching your virtual location. If you want to watch CW in the USA and watch John Ram simultaneously crying and pocketing $450 million, you can do that. You can protect your private data like bank details, passwords and online identity. So don't try and claim to be John Ram. He's probably got NordVPN because it's the best. Uh, One NordVPN account can be used on up to six devices, and NordVPN is excellent, but it doesn't cost too much. Just the price of a cup of coffee a month, and a chai latte does exist. I I didn't realise it did. I realised shortly after last week's pod that it does. I don't know what it tastes like, but um, it's just about the the cost of NordVPN. Anyway, and if you're using the public Wi-Fi in the public coffee shop, surrounded by members of the public, NordVPN protects your data while travelling and using public Wi-Fi. It protects you wherever you are in the world, surrounded by the public. To grab a huge discount off your NordVPN plan, go to nordvpn.com forward slash shipping. And that code will also give you four extra months on the two-year plan. No risk with Nord's 30-day money-back guarantee. Hmm. Eddie, do you like NordVPN? Oh, they're the best in the business. There we are. So here's a story that that it's just a little bit sad, really, to me. Anyway, um, Ludwig 
split with his caddy, Jack Clark. After all that success, they've been together since he turned pro in, in June, a win on the European Tour, a win on the PGA Tour, a stunning Ryder Cup debut. But no, Joe Scovron is to take over uh, Ricky Fowler's old bagman uh, from next year. I don't know. I um, Clark is the fiancé of uh, the LPGA player Madeline Sagstrom. So uh, Sagstrom and, and Aubert were playing together in the Grant Thornton last week. I don't know. It's just a little bit sad when that kind of thing happens because there was a lovely sort of romance in every respect to that to that story. But I guess it's a, a very prag- pragmatic move. Mm. Scotch sixum, yes. I don't, um, yeah, I was surprised at it because, you know, as, as you mentioned, that success. I think Clark was a was a, a player, a pro himself, but mm. obviously they were getting on, well, getting on well on the course. But I think the the issue is that Aubert is going into the majors now and he feels he, he wants to have a caddy who's been in the majors before and, you know, will, will know his way around majors and what that involves. But I do think, yeah, Eddie can tell us about player caddy dynamics. I mean, they're, they're curious things, but you would think that uh, when having success, you just carry on with the, that, that team that you're having success with. But we don't know what's going on behind the scenes there. Yeah, no, we don't. Um, you know, it's I, I could kind of see it if, if Joe Govron was like a Steve Williams type um, caddy, you could you could maybe it would be more understandable. That being said, he may well have qualities that Ludwig's seen that he thinks are going to take him to the next level. And I would say a great caddy can can turn a player like Ludwig into just an, a great great player. I mean, he's already a very good one. But um, I will say a great caddy could be the difference between him winning two or three majors and seven or eight majors. So he maybe feels that that's what he doesn't see and. It's old caddy, and he does see maybe potentially in his in New England Joe Scovron. Scovron, am I saying that right? It's not Chevron. Scovron, yeah. Scovron, yeah. Nice yeah. guy though, Joe. I will say that he's a lovely fellow. And and you know, I watched him with Tom Kim last year at the Scottish Open, and he's um he's definitely got a lot of a lot about him as a caddy. So I'm sure it will only enhance Ludwig's game. But it is sad. That's the thing, Ian. You know, Joe Scovron's going from Tom Kim, who you know is a hugely successful, talented player. So goodness me, he's a man in demand, Scovron. Very much so. And having spent such a long time with Ricky Fowler as well, he's I think he's caddied in over 50 majors. So he brings that experience. So I just wonder, Eddie, and I'm asking you to speculate here, I, I admit, but how do these things kind of work when you've got a, a new young talent there? How much of that do you think could be his management saying, look, right, you're going into the majors now. We need to get you... Okay, you know, in the same way as Chubby Chandler, I remember got uh, JP lined up for Rory McIlroy as soon as he turned professional because that was, you know, it came from the management. Or do you think it will have come from Ludwig himself? Again, I don't know. And like you say, I am speculating. I get the impression that Ludwig's making his own decisions, but I don't know his background. I think Chubby, you know, you reference him. He made some good decisions, I think, on behalf of somebody like Rory getting... JP and that clearly worked, but uh, I, I think Ludwig's pretty strong-minded and he's taking care of his own decision-making and, and everything I've seen so far, the way he talks, the way he acts, I, there's no reason to doubt that he's not made a good decision. It's just unfortunate for somebody like you know, his caddy, Clark, Jack Clark, isn't it, that uh, he's, he's going to be on the losing side of it. But there's obviously a, a real connection with them because Aubert went to the Solheim Cup to watch Madeleine Sagstrom. Uh, obviously, they they played together last week, so it feels like they've they've parted on on decent terms. Otherwise, last week would have been orcs, totes orcs, totes orcs. Yeah, no, you would uh, 
You would think so, wouldn't you? But again, it's you know it's an opportunity, for, I suppose, for for Jack to get another bag and and show and prove himself and you know his career as well is just beginning and i'm sure he's hungry to to show that you know ludwig's success wasn't just because of ludwig it, it, you know the caddy does have a role a big role always in in the player success so i'm sure he'll go on to get a good bag as well and then he can he's can build his own career how many caddies have you gone through in your career eddie not that many honestly not that many far less than you might otherwise think uh, certainly not as many clubs as i've gone through um you know i had jamie come out and tour with me for four years and then I went to Mick Doran for three or four and I'm back with Jamie for the last three or four so actually I've only had two caddies for a sustained period of time so uh, yeah. that's quite unusual most guys especially Europeans seemingly are they play hard and fast with caddies and they get rid of them <laughs> as good as they hire them whereas in America it's the complete opposite which is why this is a bit surprising because I think if this was an American player like a Jordan Spieth you know that they are very very loyal to their caddies but it seems that Europeans less so for whatever reason maybe we're a bit more sociopathic Probably. Well, certainly you, yes. Um, anyway, right. Uh, this week, the PNC Championship at the Ritz-Carlton, Orlando. They, this is the father-son that they stopped calling it that in 2020. Um, I mean, basically it's now known as Look at Charlie Woods and Judge Him Contest. That's what it's pretty much. Uh, first held in 1995. The first non-father-son combo was Fuzzy Zeller playing with his daughter Gretchen in 2005. Um, but other partnerships this week, as well as Tiger Woods and Charlie Woods, with Podrick Harrington with his uh, his younger son Kieran, Justin Thomas and his his pops Mike. They won it in twenty twenty. Lee Trevino, touch of class, and his son Daniel. Trevino's eighty four and eighty four, and Nelly Corden, Peter Corda, the uh, former Australian Open champion tennis uh, player, and John Daly, John Daly, and John Daly the second, who won it two years ago. Um, so there we are. I was thinking about the best father-son combos in golf. Um, and obviously, if you go way, 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 way back, you had uh, old and young Tom Morris, Willie Park Sr. and Junior, Percy Alice, Peter Alice, it was Jay Haas, uh, Jay Haas and Bill. Me and my dad wouldn't play in this. I've, I've played in two father and son competitions with my dad long, long time ago. One was at a place called Waterstock. Um, we named it Watershock because it was so poor as a golf course. But he once played... He played my ball out of turn and got us a two-shot penalty and I was furious with him. And then another time he missed a putt from two feet and I accused him of not trying and walked off. So uh, my, <laughs> my days of playing with my dad in father and son competitions came to a swift end at a young age for me. See, I love that because that's, so the the father-son as it was, it comes from a very sort of American mentality of whenever you go to the US Open, Ian, and it, a Father's Day falls during the US Open, it's very, very syrupy and heavy-handed in the fathers and sons and heroes yeah, and legends. And it's all, whereas <laughs> we've got a different dynamic with fathers and totally. sons. My dad's a terrible, terrible golfer. So, he, I mean, he's given up so many times. He, he doesn't play anymore. Um uh, but he he could not. He's got no sort of hand eye coordinator. He won't be listening to this. Absolutely dreadful. Short game. Nobody could save him. Instagram or or otherwise. Uh, he would try and putt out of bunkers because he just couldn't. He would just sort of try and putt up the slope out of bunkers. Um, absolutely terrible. But I wonder where. So is Ron? Was Ron not a good player at all? Then where are the genetics being passed down from? He's one of these golfers that strangely talented. You know. Um, he he did he used to be very good at putting from like a hundred yards. Now, I remember him at Hinksy Heights where we grew up. He was a hundred yard putt down the hill. It, well, it's not a, it's not a putt, but he would putt it and he would hit the five foot and he'd just do freaky things like that that um suggested he did have a talent in there, but uh physically, you know, in in a bad shape. And, and that's definitely the direction I'm heading in. But um 
mysteriously talented and uh, the producer just said Waterstock has a 4.1 ring. I apologize to Waterstock because I actually live no less than a mile away from it and there's a nice driving range there. So um, you know, forgive me, uh, Waterstock. Apologize to your dad for saying he's in bad shape. That's what you should be doing. Ron's Ron's listening, just sobbing. Well, he's, he played football till he was, you know, he was till he was 45. Pele, Pepe, Pele, he was a yeah, great touch. You know, he could really just bring it down <laughs> on his chest touch. from 50 yards. He was just a talented guy. Uh, Craig Stadler, Kevin Stadler, Bob Tway, Kevin Tway. Um, there we are. I can't really think of any more. But um, I, I say we'll watch Charlie Woods. I don't care. Just let him do his let him do his thing. But don't don't say look at them in the same clothes and look at how they're standing or the legs are crossed, leaning on their putter. They're they're exactly the same. <sighs> I agree a hundred percent with you, Andrew. And this is when I get really angry with the. The PGA Tour social media, which will pump out image after image of Charlie Woods over the, the coming week, and it, it, I mean, I would just unfollow it if it wasn't for my job. It just mute. I might mute them for the week. He's a boy. You just leave him. Leave him be. You know. And yeah. oh, anyway, he seems to quite like the. You know, he quite it, likes. Fine. You know, of course, he would. Yeah, uh, uh, no, not. Yeah, I'm not. Uh, yeah, it is. It is. But that is their thing. That is their selling point for this week. So they're going to hammer. You're going to have to mute them. The cowards unfollow. <laughs> he better get used to the limelight. He's going to be part of the four aces in oh, no time. Imagine. <laughs> imagine they, yeah, that's how they get. They could just. They could, they've made a huge approach to Tiger. He's turned it down. Okay, let's let's go in the side door there and approach Charlie. Um, do you know the connection between Orlando, where this is being held, and the Forest of Arden, which used to be a staple on the European tour? I mean, you, you won't know the connection, so it's just me rambling on a strange thing. Anyway, the, the name Orlando, because I don't think where the name Orlando comes from. Um, incidentally, we used to have cats called Ludwig and Orlando. So, oh. Anyway, no. uh, the origins of the name Orlando, a couple of theories as to how it got its name in Florida. But the most widely accepted one is that in the late 1850s, they were keen to change the name. It was called Jernigan after a guy called Aaron Jernigan, who didn't seem to be very pleasant. He, he was part of a, led a volunteer militia and did all sorts of nasty things in the end, and he disappeared. And so they thought, we've got to change the name from Jernigan. We don't want to be associated with that. So um, one of the most prominent citizens of this place with an outer name, was a chap called James Spear who suggested Orlando. Spear was a huge admirer of Shakespeare and suggested the name after one of the main characters in, uh, in As You Like It, Orlando Du Bois. Uh, Spears wrote in a letter, Orlando was a veritable forest of Arden, which was the setting for As You Like It. So um, there you have it. Orlando and Forest of Arden. Only on um, the chipping forecast. I know. Um, God, what are we doing? Right, emails. Actually, lots of nice emails. Here's a good one for you, Eddie. My favourite one from Australia. G'day, as they say down there. I don't say. Uh, G'day, Andrew, Ian and Eddie. Further to Eddie's hypothesis that the pod had a good following in Australia, I would like to confirm that after the Royal Sydney Golf Club newsletter alerted us to a fabulous new podcast, I said that in a Welsh way, fabulous, fabulous new podcast back in July, you do indeed have a loyal fan base here in Oz. It is particularly strong among the Riz kids of the East Sydney <laughs> Kookaburras under-12s cricket team who are avid listeners on their way to matches. God, I hope they don't get some of the references. Um, and due to the horrendous Sydney traffic, they often get the opportunity for a repeat on the way home. God, these poor these poor under-12s. As such, we were very excited for the opportunity to see Eddie at the Australian Open and chant TCF, TCF whenever Eddie made a birdie. 
and to annoy Andrew. Sadly, our tickets were for Saturday, so the kids had to make do with fighting each other <laughs> for whacking Neiman's ball at the back of the 16th <laughs> while, I, while I bored everyone with talk of Eben Byers. Um, <laughs> got to run to our grand final against arch rivals the Crocs, for which I've saved your take on John Ram's defection. Oh. Uh, keep up the good work and please return next year, Eddie. We'll back you and get tickets for the weekend again. Are you going to go back next year, do you think? I would like to. I uh, drove past Royal Sydney a couple of times, actually. Once, one day we went out on a boat to the harbour, which was just amazing. And then uh, another time we went, we went and played New South Wales Golf Club, actually, which was fantastic as well. And uh, they've got a redesign coming, I think, next year by uh, Ebert and uh, Mackenzie, I want to say. So yeah. well, that, that'll be really special when that's all said and done. But um no, good that we've got followers down there. You know, they're, they're a great bunch of people. I must say, I enjoyed being around the Aussies. I'd, I'd advise getting tickets for the Thursday, Friday. Cool. Oh, so, oh, the division is happening already within <laughs> the chipping forecast. We are. I'm going to um, pick my, I've got a Texas scramble partner now that I'm going to pick and we're going <laughs> to. Yeah, exactly. Destroy us. Right, anyway, uh, that's kind regards from Piers and Alistair Montgomery. I'm picking my dad. In Australia. Uh-huh. <laughs> Ian and me against Eddie and Ron Pepperell. That's an added dimension there. Oh. Anyway, email us if you want to the chipping forecast, the chipping forecast at foldingpocket.co.uk, or you can like us, like us. God, it's so needy. The world's so needy. Or subscribe so the pod just drops in your lap every week. Um, what's happening this week? Saudi Open. So we conclude the Asian tour season this week as well as the PNC. Um, oh, next week we're heading to Eddie's barn. Apparently, yes. I don't know if Eddie knows this yet. He's giving a thumbs up. So it's chilly in there. You're going to need to wrap up. But uh, we've got some mince pies. We're going to bring some more wine. I'm going to bring out the festivities for you, Andrew. I'm going to. That's what I'm going to do. Now I know that you hate Christmas so much. You are going to have a new perspective on Christmas when you're done at uh, our place. Yeah, no, Father Christmas himself could come in. It could be Ron Pepperell. <laughs> Apparently, he's not in great shape, so he'd be like a, make a great Santa Claus coming in. Anyway, we might, we might film some. We might have a wee shot in your simulator. We might film some of that. I actually think as well, I'm going to try and get an audience around as well. Um, a small audience. I'm, going to, I'm not going to put it out on Twitter, but I'm going to try and get some people around so that we can, what, they what can watch. People? What sort of people? You guys get some I, I don't know. I'm going to just go to the local town and, and see who I can pick up, see who's interested. Go down to that, that, that club, yeah. <laughs> a water shock, yeah. Yeah. Excellent to try and make make up to them. Um, right, anyway, so we will be doing a pod from Eddie's barn, and again, we might um, we might film Ian and I hitting a shot or two on the simulator. Uh, what what else is in store this week for you? What are you up to, Eddie? Still still keeping fit? Yeah, I'm starting to train again. I'm uh, I'm practicing. Like I say, that that tip from Chris Ryan on YouTube's been helping me. Just trying to stay stay focused, really, not get too bored. I've got four weeks to last until Dubai, so uh, yeah, the weather's getting me down now. I mean, it is it is grim, isn't it? It's not. It's not great. But uh, well, I'm off up to the mountains later today. It's Mabel's birthday tomorrow, so I'm going to take her up into the mountains for that. I don't know. She doesn't want that for her birthday. She just wants a little bit of chicken or something like that. But um, that's what I've she's got a getting. couple of lunches this week, uh, raising money for the PGA Benevolent Fund. So, are you just raising money for the PGA Benevolent? Well, fund? that's part and parcel of the of the occasion. So, right. um, should, raising should be money good. for the Ian Benevolent Fund. No, no. We're rambling. We will leave it there, and we'll be back from Eddie's barn. Eddie's simulator. Eddie, we'll do a gym session together, Eddie, and film that as well. Awesome. Um, I'll I'll just do a couple of stretches in the background. Yeah. Growing another inch. Right. Goodbye, everyone. See you next week. Bye-bye. And that completes this edition of The Chipping Forecast. Wishing you a safe and pleasant night. Mm -hmm.
holding pocket.